Proverbs 31 is where we want to continue this dialogue and this discussion with our daughters. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Proverbs 31 and 10. That 10th verse, Proverbs 31 says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Today I want to discuss with you, daughter, handle your business. Girl, get your money straight. Handle your business. Girl, get your money straight. I'll never forget this. It was years ago. I took my sons to a movie. As we went to the movie, we decided that we would not get our beverages from behind the counter with the cashier. But there was a Fruitopia vending machine. And we decided that that's where we're going to get our beverages, the fruit juice from the vending machine. It was the kind of vending machine where you could see the fruit juice. You could see the grape and the orange. You could see the berry and the kiwi. You could see it. So much so until KJ, I guess he was about two or three years old at that time, and he had already made up in his mind what he wanted. I had gone into my pocket to pull out the dollar bills to slip into the machine, but my money was all wrinkled up. So I was trying to get the wrinkles out of my money as KJ, at two or three years old, had already made his decision. He's pushing the button. He sees what he wants. He pushes the button. Nothing comes out. He pushes it a second time. Nothing comes out. Yet a third time, he pushes it again. Nothing comes out. And KJ looked at me and said, Daddy, ain't nothing coming out. I said, son, because you ain't putting nothing in. And herein lies the frustrations in life. To see the advantages, to see the opportunities, to see the possessions, and you know they exist, you know they're available because you see other people with them. But somehow, you have not been able to acquire, you know what you want. You've already started pushing the right buttons. You've gone to the right school. You pushed the right buttons. You've networked with the right people. You got the right friends. You have pushed the right button. You only go out with certain kinds of men. You have pushed the right button. You are even at the right church. But even with all of that, you still have not gotten out of life what you've been looking for. And I submit unto you, it is only when you put the right thing in that you can get the right thing out. If you haven't put anything into it, you cannot get anything out of it. And the reason why I had yet to put anything in it is because I was still trying to get my money straight. Daughter, my word to you today is this. Some advantages, some opportunities, some chances, some places, some possessions you will never get until you get your money straight. I don't care who you know. I don't care what you know. I don't care what church you go to. I don't care who touched you, laid hands on you, none of that. Until you get your money straight, there are some things that just won't happen in your life. And you cannot get your money straight until you get your mentality straight. That's why we started our discussion earlier. We get your brain right. Because once you free your mind, even your finance will follow. It's about mentality. Why is it that some people will always be in poverty? Some people will never have anything. It's because they don't feel like they're worthy. That's why it says in Proverbs 31 and 10, who can find a virtuous woman, a woman with strength of character? Who can find a valuable woman where her value supersedes rubies and anything else she could put on? Why? It, it's about value and knowing who you are. 
Because if you don't feel you're worthy enough, even if other people have it, you don't think you deserve it. And even if you get something, you keep jacking that up. Why? Because I'm not worthy to have anything this nice. It's about mentality. It's about mindset. It's about understanding your value even before you start dealing with your resources because the text says, who can find a woman of virtue and value? Her value, watch this, supersedes anything she can put on her. Clothes or jewelry. Because if you're not careful, you'll think what somebody gives to you or brings to you makes you who you are. Your clothes don't make you. Your jury don't make you. You make your clothes. You make your jury. You are valuable all by yourself. You believe Jesus died on the cross. You believe God raised him from the dead. By faith, he has already moved inside of you. Ain't no garment going to be able to cover that up. You are somebody all by yourself because of who you are in Christ. It is mentality. It's understanding your virtue and value. Not just with your resources, but also with your relationships. In verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman? Her value supersedes rubies. In verse 11, her husband, trust her, her husband is enriched. Her husband will never be poor. Don't you hear that there is a, a healthy relationship in verse 11? Why is there a healthy relationship in verse 11? Because she understands her value in verse 10. She don't just let anybody run up on her doing anything. Why? Because I know who I am. And I, that's why the husband who trusts in her, he's enriched by her. It is a healthy relationship. And in this healthy relationship, this man did not give her her value. She had that in verse 10. He didn't even show up till verse 11. What if he never shows up? She don't lose no value. Why? Because she got that in verse 10. What if her man shows up and it doesn't work out? He doesn't take her value from her. Why? Because he never brought her value to her. You are somebody all by yourself. It is not a man that affirms you and confirms you. You got that in Jesus Christ. And once you understand that, that's when your resources work out. That's when your relationships begin to work out. Because when you read Proverbs chapter 31, in verse 1, here's the context. In verse 1, it is a mother giving counsel and advice to her son who was a king. He's a young king, and here's a mother trying to get him straight. You a king. You don't just live any kind of life. You're not like everybody else. And you need to be careful what kind of woman you get. Why? Because you are a king. And if you're going to have a royal relationship, you can't just pick anybody. Well, mama, who do I need? You need a woman with virtue and value. Why? Because you are a king. Daughter, here's what I'm trying to get across to you. There are some men who want women with no virtue. And there are men who are looking for women with no value. But they themselves are not kings. And since they're not a king, if you connect with them, you will not be a queen. Since you are a child of a king, you have queenly potential. You need to keep your virtue, keep your value, and wait on your king. So when somebody say, you ain't got nobody yet, you ain't married. No, because God is still making my king. God's still shaping my king. And I ain't getting no court jester while I wait on my king to show up. I will patiently wait upon the Lord. But it's about understanding your virtue and your value. 
and, and knowing that that's the way God wants you to connect in resources and relationships. And then, and then his mother says, here's the kind of woman you need. That's how we get Proverbs 31. She says, this is the kind of woman you need. And it, he, she gives a profile of a productive woman. Because when you speak of virtue and value, how does it flesh itself out? I mean, we can define it. But in Proverbs, it is not defined, it is described. What does a woman of virtue, strength of character, what does a woman of value, what does that look like on a daily basis? That's the kind of woman that I want you to develop into. And this ain't no woman sitting around waiting on some man to show up and do something for her. This ain't no woman doing nothing, and I hope he pulled me out of my poverty, and I hope I can get somebody that can help me out of it. No. This is a woman full of action. Watch this. When you read Proverbs 31, watch all the verbs connected to this woman. Watch this. She finds, she brings, she spends, she gets up, she prepares, she plans, she goes, she inspects, she buys, she earns, she plants, she works, she twists, she helps, she gives, she makes, she laughs, she speaks, she instructs, she oversees, she praises. This is not some woman sitting around waiting on a man before she handles her business. Daughter, get your money straight. And how do you do that? How does she do it? She's a producer, not just a consumer. Verse 13, she's a producer, not just a consumer. Watch what she produces. She takes wool and linen. She twists it together. She weaves it together. She spins wool and linen together and sells it. She's making clothes. In verse 13, those clothes she's making, those are not for her. In verse 22, that's, those are her clothes. Purple, royal, gar it's a different quality what she wears. But she's selling what she's making in verse 13. She's, she, she makes these clothes, sells it wholesale to merchants. They turn around and sell it retail to somebody else. She's got a business in her own home. Why? Because she's getting her money straight. And you can't get your money straight till you learn how to be a producer She's not running from mall to mall and store to store consuming what other people produce. She's producing what others will consume. That's why she's making a profit. She's not just, see, we are great consumers. We love to consume. We think we're successful because we consume. We have, we have an image of success. And this image of success is based on what I consume. That's why I always tell you how much I pay for what I got on. I paid this much for this. Why? Because I'm trying to give an appearance of success. Because we think success is based on consuming. And it's not. It's based on producing. But it's an image of success because, look, at I leased this car. I rent this big apartment. I rent all this furniture. I charge these clothes and I got a consumer loan so I can flash some cash. Why? Because I want to give an image of success. I want you to think I am successful, but I'm not successful. Why? Because I don't own it. I rent it, I borrow it, and I lease it. Because if I was really successful, I would produce it. It's, it's about producing. The earning power for black people in America the earning power as, as a whole for black people is $400 billion. Take all our income, we earn $400 billion with a B dollars. 
That's how we earn. But watch how we consume. Watch how we spend. We spend $21 billion on new and used cars and trucks. We spend $25 billion on clothes. We spend uh, another $8 billion on furniture and furnishings. We spend $7 billion on personal care products. Nails, perfume, makeup, weaves, all that. <laughs> to give an image of success. So you spend $100, $100 every week to get your hair done for 20 years. Now it's time to go to college. I don't have no money to go to college. I know, because you're wearing it. You spent $100,000 in 20 years to get your hair right, and your hair looks great. But you don't know nothing. Because you spent all your money on your head rather than putting something in your head. For image of success is about consuming. We got to learn how to be producers. Baby girl, we got to flip that script. Not just consume, I want to produce. What do you mean produce? Create. That now instead of consuming what other people produce, you produce something and let them consume it. You buy what they put together. No, you put something together and let them buy it. It's, and when you produce, when you are creative, you are more like God. In the beginning, God created. We're in the image of God. He made us creators. So when I am creating, I am more like God. When I consume, I'm more like the enemy. Why? Because he doesn't come to do anything but to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a consumer. So I'm more like him when I consume. But when I create, I'm more like God. Here's what I mean by that. Somebody walked in here today and expect for us to boast about you because you are walking around in somebody else's creativity. Because you're wearing a Donna Karen, a New York suit. You want us to tell you how great you are. But what I'm trying to tell you is you are modeling somebody else's creativity unless your name is Miss Donna Karen. Why would you want us to boast about you because you drive a Lexus? And ain't nothing wrong with a Lexus, ain't nothing wrong with a Donna Karen suit. I'm not saying don't buy that, but I'm just trying to tell you it ain't your creativity. You want us to boast and brag because you just bought you a Lexus. Nothing is wrong with Lexus. I like Lexus. It's one of my favorite vehicles. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But I'm not going to boast on you because you're riding in it. Why? Because you're rolling in somebody else's creativity. Unless your name is Mr. Lexus. And I'm trying to get us to stop getting, trying to get people to boast about me because I'm walking in somebody else's creativity. Rather, I need to learn how to be creative so that I will be a reflection of the God that made me. I said this before, a woman got mad at me, a young woman got mad at me, came up to me at the church and went off on me right here at this altar. Pastor, I don't care what you say, I like my car, I just bought this car, I worked hard to get this car, and I sacrificed and I saved, and I got my car, and I love my car. I said, I didn't tell you not to like your car. I didn't tell you not to save and, and appreciate the hard work you put into getting the car. I think that's wonderful. What I said was, you're riding around in somebody else's creativity. And I told her this. Now, when you come back in a few years and tell me you own the dealership, now we can hold another conversation. Because you are producing the vehicle other people are rolling in. We got to learn how to be producers so that we're not running around in what I call, I call it virtual prosperity. 
We ain't prosperous. It's virtual prosperity. And what I mean by virtual prosperity is it ain't actual prosperity. And I know it ain't actual prosperity because we leasing, renting, and borrowing. If it were actual prosperity, we would own it. It is, no more, it is no more prosperity than going to the game room, putting a mask on, and thinking you're going down the slopes, skiing. Because when you take the mask off, you'll discover, I ain't been nowhere. It ain't no different than getting a Wii game system and think you really playing Serena Williams. You ain't playing Serena Williams. And you ain't doing nothing and you ain't going nowhere. It is virtual. It is not real. I want my daughters to have actual prosperity. I don't just want you to possess it. I want you to own it. I want you to own more than you owe. But you can't do it until you learn how to produce it. That's what she's doing. She's producing a line of clothes. Verse 13, she's, she's weaving wool and linen together. She's designing, creating, and making, and selling it. That's what she's doing in verse 16. She buys a field. What does she do with that field? She plants a vineyard. What's she getting from the vineyard? Grapes, grape juice, and wine. This is how you produce. You produce what other people need. Everybody wears clothes. Everybody's going to eat fruit. Everybody's going to drink juice. And most of us are going to have a glass of wine every now and then. She's producing what other people need. When all you do is need what others produce, it costs you. But when you produce what other people need, it profits you. How is she producing this? How does she know how to do this? It is not something you innately know. Nobody just is born and knows how to take wool and linen and weave it together. Nobody just knows how to cut and design and sew. You don't automatically know that. How does she get that? Nobody just automatically knows how to plant a vineyard and make grape juice and wine. Nobody just automatically, how did she get that? She learned education, training, mentor, internship, working for somebody else for free, but I'm learning what they're doing. They just using you. No, they ain't using me. I'm using them. They, I guess they are using me, using me for free labor, but I'm using them so I can learn how to do it so I can start my own stuff. It's education. It's training. You don't automatically know how to do certain things. But if you're going to produce, you got to go reinvest in yourself and learn. This economy is jacked up now, but it ain't going to stay jacked up. What happens when it flips the script? What happens when jobs are available? What happens when stuff is available to you? Are you ready to walk into that? Are you have any training, any education? Do you have any skill, any ability? Well, you know, I'm 35 years old and I'm too old to learn that stuff. I really like doing hair, but, and I really like doing nails, and I, but it's too, I'm, I'm too old to learn that kind of stuff, and I'm too old to start my own business because I would have to go back to school, and I have to study business, and I'm too old for that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I, let me help you understand something. And I what you're saying, you know, I got, I'm raising these kids by myself, and, and I got a job, so I can't even go full-time. I got to go part-time. And, but here's the thing. All you got is time. You ain't got no money. So instead of crying about the money you don't have, why don't you use wisely the time you do have? All you got is time. 
He's talking about you 35 years old, so if you go back to school to get a skill, an ability to get your associates, it might take you a little longer because you're a single parent, you're raising your own kids, and you got a job, and then or you'll go, you go four years, you quit everything, I'm going back to school, take you four years. Whatever it takes, you're going to take you four years. Skill, ability, whatever, your degree, you're 35 years old, take you four years, that means you'll be 39 when you get your degree. Let's say you don't go back to school. You're 35 years old. In four years, how old will you be? 39. You're going to be 39 either way. So you can be 39 with a college degree with opportunities or 39 crying because don't nobody like me and won't nobody give a sister a chance. Produce. How did this, how did this woman get her money straight? How did her virtue and value get expressed? She planned her purchases. Verse 16, she considered the field. And then with the money she earned from selling her clothesline, she bought the field. She developed the field. Got a vineyard, started producing grapes and grape juice and wine. How did, how did she do this? She planned her purchase. She considered the field. She's not an impulse buyer. She's got a spending plan. This is how much money I earn from my clothes. This is how much the field costs. I'm evaluating the field. I'm inspecting the field. I'm analyzing the field. I'm studying the field. I'm checking the history of the field. Can this field do what I need it to do? After she considered it, that's when she bought it. She didn't just walk down the street and say, well, I got a little extra money. I'm buying the field. No. She ain't no impulse buyer. It's like the kind of woman that just goes from mall to mall and store to store. I like that. I'm getting, I like this. I'm getting, I no, plan your stuff. Do you really need what you're talking about? Can I afford it? You don't just buy something because it's there. Well, every month, I, you know, I don't care. Every month, I'm going to buy me a dress. I'm going to buy me an outfit every month. I deserve it. And I ain't saying you don't deserve it. I'm sure you work hard. You deserve it. I deserve a Bentley. I work harder than everybody in the world. I deserve a Bentley. But I don't drive one. Why? Because I can't afford it. It doesn't fit my plan. What is your plan? And if you fail to plan, that means you plan to fail. She, she considered to fail. She investigated. She analyzed. She looked at it. Here's, here's the thing. Whenever you buy something, anything, there are at least a minimum of two things you need to consider. A minimum of two. One, consider it. Here's one thing you got to consider. Cost and value. Is the cost I'm paying is it equal to or less than the value of what I'm getting? Cost and value. But that ain't the only thing to consider. You also got to consider why am I buying this? Why am I at the mall buying this suit and I got 10 suits and five I haven't worn in two years? Why am I buying another pair of shoes and I got 100 pairs of shoes? I only wear three pairs and they're my favorite ones, the only ones I keep wearing. Why am I buying? So the question is not just can I afford it, but why am I doing it? Am I doing this because I want other people to think that I'm important and I'm successful and all of that? No, that ain't no financial solution. That's a psychological solution. You got a self-esteem problem. Am I doing this because I want some man to like me? I know he'll like me if I put this on, if I wear it. No, that ain't no financial solution. That's a relational solution. Why are you with somebody that won't accept you for who you are anyway? It, you got to consider before you do something. And always look at this. Whenever you're ready to buy anything, always look at need, want, or desire. I'm getting ready to buy this. Do I need it? Do I want it? Or do I just desire it? 
because all this is going to determine whether or not I make this purchase because I plan my purchases. Needs are something I got to have. I can't make it without it. I need it. If I don't get this, I cannot survive. That's a need. A want is something I may not need it, but I still want it. Okay, I don't, I, I can live without this, but I want it anyway. That's the one. What is a desire? A desire is the quality of my need. I need transportation. A Chevette can get that done. But a Cadillac is the quality of the need. And I got to come to grips with all of that and plan what I do. Why is the plan so important? Because if your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. How much are you bringing in? What are your expenses now? What is your goal? How much does this cost? You got to plan your stuff. And when this woman was doing her planning, when she made her purchase, when she made her purchase, she purchased something that appreciated in value. That when she bought it, it would go up in value. It appreciated. Here's my question to you, daughter. When is the last time you made a purchase of something that if you had to resell it, you can get more for it than you pay for? And don't mention your clothes. Your retailer won't even buy those back. Once they put them in the bag, they go down in value. Don't mention your shoes. It depreciates it. Don't mention your car. The moment you bought that car and drove it off the lot, it depreciated in value. Matter of fact, drive around the block and try to sell it back to them. It depreciates in value. When is the last time you bought something that would appreciate in value? What did homegirl go and buy? She bought land, a field. She bought property. She bought real estate. And I know you're saying this economy is so jacked up. It's so messed up. And I, okay, and I, I give you that. You need to do your homework before you do anything. But that don't mean this ain't the time to buy real estate. But do your homework. Because somebody bought something they couldn't afford, had to give it up. The bank don't want that house. That's why they bring the cost all the way down to almost nothing. And you can get in. Here's the thing about real estate. And I'm not telling you to get into real estate. I'm trying to prove a point. Here's the thing about real estate. I'm talking about buying something that appreciates in value. Whether it's myself or this church, we have never had a problem buying property and land. We own everything around here. Every time something comes up, we buy it. Why? Because it's land and property. Why is that so important? Because God ain't making no more of that. So if anybody wants some land around here, guess who they got to buy it from? And we going to charge more than what we pay for because it appreciated in value. I'm not saying get into real estate. I'm asking you a question. When it's the last time you bought something that if you had to resell it, you could sell it for more than you paid for it. When is the last time you bought stocks or bonds? Get professional help to help you with that. When is the last time you put something on your IRA? Or you put something on your 401k? Or you put something on your 403b? Or you bought a company or business? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, daughters, because you have not worked on getting your money straight. Plan your purchases. Get you something that will appreciate in its value. And I already know what the issue is. Baby girl, here's the issue. You have yet to learn the difference between money and wealth. It took me a minute. The difference between money and building wealth. Most of us are just after money. We want money, 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 money. And we, and matter of fact, we've learned how to acquire money. We know how to go after money. God has been so gracious in your life that you always make more the next year than you did the previous year. Why? Because money ain't an issue for you. The issue for you is wealth. And money ain't the same thing as wealth. You got all this money, how come you ain't got nothing to show for it? 
You made all, this, all these dollar bills and nothing to show for it. Why? Because you have yet to learn how to build wealth. When I first moved to Indian, in, back to Indianapolis, I'm from Indy. When I first moved back to Indianapolis in 1988, I drove up in a, in a, um, in a Mustang. I drove a Ford Mustang. And uh, my Mustang was already paid for. And I had one wife and one son. We ain't need nothing bigger than that. That's all we needed. And folk were saying, you at Easter Star Church, you need to upgrade on your car. You need to buy this. You need a Cadillac. You need a Lincoln. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to be a black preacher driving a black Cadillac. I, that's just me. I ain't going to do it. And I can't afford a Lincoln. And if I could afford it, I'm not getting it. I'm not opposed to Lincolns or Cadillacs. But I was a young man with a young wife and a young son. Why am I just buying one car after another? I wasn't thinking about wasting money. I'm thinking about building wealth. I've only owned two houses in my life. Two. One out in Pike when I first got to town and lived there 11 years. Friends and family and everybody else was upgrading their houses. And I understand you can buy a house, resell it for more, get you another. I understand all that. I was focusing on ministry and all that. And the reason I wasn't buying houses, because I was trying to build wealth. I was trying to put enough money in my house to have some equity on it. And then I sold that house, pulled that equity out, ended up buying a decent home and all that kind of stuff. And I've been in that house for 12 years. I've always made more money than the previous year before. Man, why won't you buy another house? Because I'm building wealth. So I went from that house in Pike to another house out in, I was in Noblesville, but they made me in Fishers. And my next house, my next home is going to be the nursing home. Why is that? I'm building wealth. When I get my money, I'm putting my money in something where my money can make money for me. I'm too old to make money. I need my money to start making money for me. It's about building wealth. Daughter, you ain't getting this. All right, let me explain it like this. When my sons were coming up, I always tried to play games with them that would make them think, grow, and learn. So we would play games like Life and Scrabble and other games like that. And one game we all loved to play was Monopoly. We played Monopoly. Well, they played Monopoly all the time. I taught them how to play it. They loved it. They got pretty good at it, but they could never beat me. And when they were younger, they was always trying to beat me playing Monopoly, but they couldn't do it. They woke me up one day. Daddy, come on. You want to play Monopoly? Yeah, set it up. I'm coming in there. Daddy, we going to beat you. Y'all can't beat me. Y'all don't even understand the concept of the game. Yes, we do, Daddy. This Monopoly is about mathematics. Monopoly ain't about mathematics. Monopoly is about economics. And until you know the difference between mathematics and economics, you ain't going to never be able to beat me. And I wasn't tripping because they small and immature. That's why they thought mathematics when they should have been thinking economics. So now we get ready to start the game. As we start the game, everybody has the same opportunities, same privileges, same money, same chances, same everything. Now we're going around the board. I'm buying property. I'm making investments. Why? Because I'm building wealth. What are they doing? They just collecting cash. They can't wait to go around, go. Because they get 200 more dollars. And they getting cash, money. And while they getting money, I'm building wealth. 
I'm making investments. I'm buying property. I'm developing it. Daddy, you ain't got much money. No, but I'm building my wealth. I bought this piece of property. Now I'm I put a house on it. I had to be a little patient. Then I got another house. I said, shoot, I'm going to go on and take a chance. And I put a hotel on my property because I'm developing it. And then I started getting a monopoly on the utility companies. Because everybody got to go past the water. Everybody got to go past the electric. Daddy, where's your money? I don't have the money, son, but I'm building my wealth. They didn't understand that. They wouldn't make investments. They wouldn't buy anything to develop it. And the only one who was following the pattern of economics, even though he didn't understand, he was at least following the pattern. And that was my number two. That was Jordan. He was buying property. And he was buying property in the ghetto. I mean, he's buying Baltic Avenue and Mediterranean and Connect, and ain't no, ain't no harm in that. You can make some money buying property in the ghetto. There is a stream of income with property in the ghetto. But here's what Jordan was doing. He was buying property in the ghetto, but he wasn't developing the property in the ghetto that he was buying. So I landed on his property. You owe me $4. Man, I lost that on my way to Boardwalk. See, I'm buying Boardwalk and Park Place and Illinois. I'm out there in the upscale areas trying to develop my stuff and because they wanted money and not wealth by the end of the game I had all of Jay Allen's property and money I had all of Jordan's property and money I had all of Jalen's property and money and I know what y'all saying man he's mean he won't even let his kids win because they ain't going to let them win in the real world either so you might as well learn it now and Jalen is crying and crying and he's mad because he didn't win. And we ain't feeling sorry for you because you're crying. Either learn how to play or stay out of the game. And daughter, that's my word to you. Learn how to play this economic situation or stay out of the game because ain't no man going to feel sorry for you. How did she get her money straight? She planted she understood the concept of sowing and reaping. She planted. She bought a vineyard. What did she do with it? She planted. She developed it. She put seed in the ground. And then she reaped, sowing and reaping. Wait a minute. By the time she gets down to verse 20, she ain't just sowing in the soil. She's sowing in the souls. She's helping the poor. How did she get her money straight? She gave to the poor. She blessed those who were less fortunate. Because the Bible says, give to every good work. The Bible didn't say give to every work because every work ain't good. Do your homework, do your study, do your evaluation. And when you find a good work, give to every good work. See, that's where the secular financial advisors mess up. They got the rest of it, the work, the savings, the reserves. This is when you start uh, investing. This is when you start your retirement. They got all that down. You know what they don't have? Giving donations, contribution. And they tell you you don't need to contribute anything until it's a tax break for you. No wonder you ain't got nothing. Because you pushing all those buttons, but you done left out the poor. You left out, left out those in need. Well, you know I'm really going through when times are really hard. As hard as you got it, somebody got it worse than you. As messed up as your situation is, somebody is more messed up than you. If you really want to bless yourself, go find somebody who is worse off than you and give something to the poor. Because here's what God does. When you give to the poor, the Bible says it's like lending money to God. 
Wait a minute. Jesus said, I was hungry. You fed me. I was outdoors. You took me in. I was sick. You came to check on me. I was in prison. You didn't forget about me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. All of that. When did we see you do that? When you do it to the least of these. My brothers and sisters, Jesus says, you've done it unto me. And then the Bible says, when you give to the poor, it's like loaning money to God. And when you loan money to God, it ain't like loaning money to us. You ever lent money to somebody? They called you every day till you loaned them your money. You ain't heard from them since. And then when you want your money back now, they mad at you. You said you was going to pay me back. Give me my stuff. God ain't like us. When you loan money to God by giving to the poor, God says, I'm going to pay you back. But when I pay you back, I'm going to pay you back with interest. And when God pays you back with interest, watch the interest rates of God. Some 30%, some 60%, some 100%. God's worst interest rate is better than man's best interest rate. You talking about you can't afford to give? Baby, you can't afford not to give. Because when you bring the tithe, God opens the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't receive it all. You can't afford not to give it. Well, I'm really going through somebody worse off than you. Well, I had to downgrade on my house because of my finance. Somebody is homeless. Well, I had to sell some of my clothes and shoes. Somebody ain't got no feet. I'm just trying to tell you, somebody is worse than you. And when you find somebody worse than you, I dare you to give to them because God will give it back to you. Good measures, pressed down, shaken together. God will run it over. When you sow a little, you reap a little. When you sow a lot, you reap a lot. When you help the ministry, God said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. If you, if you sow a little, you reap a little. Reap a lot, you get a lot. It's sowing and reaping. Daughter, you cannot reap what you do not sow. The principles of sowing and reaping is this. You always reap what you sow. You always reap after you sow. And you always reap more than you sow. What is it that you need? You seed to your need. What do you need? Plant those seeds. If you want watermelon, you cannot plant apple seeds. You seed to your need. What is it that you want in life? Then that's what you give. Cast your bread upon the water and it at the, at the loan, it shall return unto you. You seed what you need. And when you learn how to bless the less fortunate, God ain't going to let you beat him. And this blew my mind. I was, I was uh, you know, every year they talk about, um, they talk about the richest people in the world. They give the, the list of the richest people in the world every year. And one particular year, Bill Gates, to nobody's surprise, was at the top of the list. He was the richest man in the world, Bill Gates. Number two on the list was that dude from Mexico. I can never remember his name. Some dude in Mexico got all the money. He was second. Third on the list was Warren Buffett. And uh, Bill Gates was first on the list. Bill Gates had, like, at the time like $52 billion. And that's just what he had on him. <laughs> then he had his foundation that he established with $29 billion. That's just money he gives. He has $29 billion, and all he does with it is give it away. $29 billion with a B. He helps in Africa with AIDS and third world countries with AIDS research and medicine and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he gives scholars every year he gives like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of scholarships away to inner city kids that would never have a chance to go to school. He always gives to the poor. $29 billion set aside for that. He was the richest man in the world. Number two, the Mexican. Number three, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett said, I'm getting old. I ain't going to live always. I'm a, but I'm going to give my money away 
so I, while I'm still alive so I can determine where it goes. He said, I ain't going to wait till I die and folk fighting over my money. I'm going to give it away. Here's what he did. Warren Buffett gave $1.1 billion to his son's foundation, $1.1 billion to his daughter's foundation, and $1.1 billion to his uh, wife's foundation. Give or take a million. And then he gave $31 billion to Bill Gates Foundation. Wait a minute. Bill Gates already had $80 billion. He's already the richest man in the world. The third richest man in the world gave him $31 billion. Somebody said, Warren Buffett, why don't you start your own foundation? Why would I do that? If I would do it, I would be doing the same thing Bill Gates is doing. Then I had to go get staff. I had to work and put it. He's already got the structure. He's already getting. I'm giving my money to him. 31 billion. Two years later, Warren Buffett was the richest man in the world. How can you be third? Give 31 billion to the richest man. Then skip over the second richest, the first richest, and you become the richest. Why? Because when Warren Buffett decided, I'm giving my money to the poor, God said, I ain't going to let you beat me giving. The more you give to me, the more, I, daughter, that's my word to you. You can't be God given. Stop thinking about yourself and think about being a blessing to somebody else. Girl, get your money straight. How do you do it? You got to overcome these psychological barriers. There are psychological barriers that, help, that keep you from understanding your virtue and value. That keep you from producing. That keep you from planting. That keeps you from planting your purchases. That have you acting the way you acted at the level you own. It's a psychological barrier. Because everything I'm telling you right now is not review. It's, it, it's not revelation. This ain't no new revelation to you. This is review. You've already heard this. You heard it from me. Heard it from your parents. Heard it from your friends. Heard it from your financial advisor. Heard it from your professor. You already heard all this then why aren't you doing it? It's a psychological barrier. Every time we tell you this, you come up with an excuse. Well, the reason I'm not doing it, I'm out of a broken home, I went through a bad relationship, I had to drop out of school, I had a baby out of wedlock, I had to downgrade on my job. Uh, you always got an excuse why you're not doing what God wants you to do. It's a psychological barrier, why? Because you're living life like a victim. You are not a victim. Stop living your life like a victim. You are victorious. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Stop living your life like a victim. It doesn't mean you have not been victimized. Somebody, 15 years ago, you were victimized. Somebody dogged you, did some crazy stuff to you one night. And you've been living with it for 15 years. They did it in the nighttime. You've been living with it for a lifetime. Why? Because a psychological barrier went up in your head and you start living life as a victim. And baby girl, I don't want you to live life as a victim. Why? Because men treat you the way you act. If you act like a victim, men treat you like a victim. They treat you the way you act. But here's the deal. If you act like you going, got it going on, men treat you like you got it going on. Now women are going to say, she thinks she's something. But the brother going to say, hey man, you can't roll up on her like that because she ain't like that, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't treat her like man. Don't do that to her. Because men treat you the way you act. So if you act like a cheap whore, then men treat you like a cheap whore. Men treat you the way you act. If you love yourself, a man will love you. If you respect yourself, a man will respect you. If you take care of yourself, a man will take care of you. Because men treat you the way you act, daughter. It's a psychological barrier. 
You got to remove that and stop waiting on somebody else to change before you change. Well, as soon as my children get it together, you know, they really been going through themselves. And once my children get their act together, then I'm going to do what's necessary. My man been acting a fool and my husband won't do this. And as soon as he changes, then I'm going to start doing some of this. No. You can't wait on somebody else to change before you change. Baby girl, get yourself together. And you cannot make decisions for other grown folk. Grown people make decisions for themselves. You can't your son is 25 years old. He's acting a clown, a fool. Now, it's great to say something else that I can't say on television. He's acting like that. And you're saying, well, as soon as he turns himself around, then I'm going to start chatting. No, you cannot make decisions for your grown child. He makes decisions for himself. And stop trying to make decisions for your man or for your husband. He's a grown man. He makes his own decisions. Baby girl, do what you need to do for yourself to make it. Can't wait for somebody else to change. And I used to counsel, I used to counsel all the time. When I first came to this ministry, every day I was counseling somebody. It was wearing me down. Thank God we got to the point that we could get some help. And we got a great counselor at the church. And we got mental health professionals that come alongside. We got a good counseling ministry. If you want some help, we got it for you. It just ain't going to be me doing it. So stop trying to get that appointment with me. I don't counsel no more. I got help for you. I ain't the one that do it. But when I used to counsel... It's interesting. When I would counsel people back in the day, I would only ask them three questions. Now, mind you, I studied psychology. I studied sociology. Even after getting out of school, I went back, studied some more of that. Then I would take classes on counseling, all that. And I boiled it all down in my counseling sessions to three questions. So when somebody comes in for help, have a seat. I'm only going to give you one hour. We ain't going to be here all night. You got one hour. Here's, here's the first question. What's going on? Tell me, tell me what's happening. And they spend 30 minutes with that. My man ain't this and he ain't that. He won't come home. He won't help with the kids. He won't work. He won't go to church. He won't even pray with us. And he won't, he won't take me out. He won't compliment me. He ain't this. He ain't. That's 30 minutes of that. 30 minutes. Okay. I still got 30 minutes to go. Here's my second question. It, ideally, if it was what you wanted to be, what would it look like? If, if it turned out the way you wanted, how would it look? Well, he would come home, he would get a job, he would love Jesus, and he would spend more time with the kids, he would compliment me more, we would go out more. We'd, all right, that's cool. That's 20 minutes. I ain't got but 10 minutes left. Don't sweat it, I ain't got but one more question. Here's my last question. What are you going to do? Well, he need to get himself together, because I ain't going to be, no. Not what is he going to do, because grown folk make their own choices. What are you going to do? And once you start making up your own mind, how you going to handle your business, everything going to be all right. That's when you say, I ain't putting up with it no more. I ain't taking this no more. I ain't living like this. I ain't being broke no more. I ain't being dumb no more. I ain't being stupid no more. I ain't going to put up with no mess. Make your own choice. And that's when praise takes off in this passage. Here's the last thing I want to show you, daughter. That's when praise is everywhere now. Because in verse 28, her children rise up and call mama blessed. Her children rise up and start praising mama. Wait a minute. Her children rise up, which means at some point they were low down. 
But when mama got herself together, that's when children began to go to another level. Baby girl, you can't get your children up to where they supposed to be if you're going to stay down in the dumps where you are. But once you make up in your mind, you going up, it impacts your children and the children begin to give mama some praise because even your children can recognize a woman that's trying to get herself together and they praised her. Praise was everywhere. Her husband, verse 28, her husband began to praise her. Wait a minute, her husband praised her? Because a brother can appreciate a woman like this, full of action, handling her business, doing her thing. A, a, a brother can, he begins to praise her. Watch this. Her man is praising her, not prostituting her. Daughter, stop letting these men prostitute you. And don't be looking at me like you don't know what prostitution is. It ain't about street corners. Prostitution. It's when you're selling what you ought to be giving away in love. Stop letting them prostitute you. You know exactly what I mean. He rations money out to you. He just rations it out. You notice he don't never give you enough to handle your stuff. He gives you just enough to keep you coming back. He rations it out. It ain't never enough for you to make it. He's got to get you to keep you coming back. So he breaks you off a piece for your rent. Then he breaks you off a piece for your gas bill. And he breaks you off a piece for your tuition. He breaks you off a piece so your son go to basketball camp. He breaks you off a piece for your daughter's shoes. But the only reason he's breaking you off a piece is because you keep breaking him off a piece. You letting him prostitute you but when you got yourself together can't no man come at you like that when you got your own degree making your own money driving your own car living in your own house buying your own clothes paying your own tuition with your own business brother got to come strong or he got to stay home he can't be calling you at two o'clock in the morning and you ain't been able to hit him all day. Talking about it's me. I'm on my way. And then you leave the door open. He runs in, hits it, leaves $35 on the nightstand for your light bill. Baby, when you got it going on, brother can't come like that. Either come strong or stay home. Her man praised her. But wait a minute. Here's the last thing. In verse 31, the men in the gate praised. She didn't just get praise at home. She got praise in the community. Verse 31, when she came out of the house, they were still praising her. It was the men in the gate praising her. Baby girl, I'm getting ready to give your secret out because your man don't know this. You ain't told him this. You, don't want you, you didn't want your man to know. He thinks he's the only one praising you. Your man, don't, he don't know. He think, he think he's the only one giving you a compliment. Then when y'all fall out with each other and he stop complimenting you and he stop praising you, he thinks you ain't getting no praise. You already know you... You just ain't getting praise at the crib. Because you getting praise everywhere you go. 
I mean, when you're on the job, the men are praising you there. I hope your husband knows he's a lucky man to have a woman like you. You're a fine woman. And you show getting praise when you come to the church. I hope your husband know how blessed you are because I sense the favor of God all over you. You get praise just walking down the street. Hey, 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 girl, hey. Your man don't know what to do with all that. You need a real man. You need a man. You too fine for him. And you know why you getting all this praise? Because you worthy to be praised. All the hell you've been through and you still here. Living in a world of sexism, but you still made it. You worthy to be praised. Folk look down on you because of the color of your skin, but you were still able to get to a certain level. You worthy to be praised. They checked you up on one job. You went and handled your business somewhere else. You worthy to be praised. Raising those children by yourself and won't nobody help you, but you're still getting it done. You worthy to be praised. Come out of a broken home, but still know how to love somebody. You worthy to be praised. But when folk give you praise, you got to redirect it to the one who made it happen for you. Because charm is deceitful. Beauty will let you down. But the woman that praises God has got it going on. So when folks start praising you, redirect the praise. I'm not here because I did everything right. But it was God that made a way for me. Redirect the praise. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I would not have made it. Redirect the praise. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Did he make a way for you? Did he open doors for you? Did he hold your mind? Did God pay your bills? Did God make a way? Did God heal your body? Then redirect it. Somebody ought to give God some praise. Hey, hey, hey. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Then go on and give him some praise. Go on and open your mouth. Open your mouth. Give God. Give it to him. Give it. Give it. Give it to him. You wouldn't even be here had it not been for God. You wanted to kill yourself. You wanted to jump off a bridge. But God held you. Give it to him. Give it up. Give it. Give it. Give it. Yes! Yes! Y'all excuse me if it had not been for the Lord on my side. I wouldn't be here. I got to give it up. Somebody ought to give him some praise. Come on, everybody stand. Come on, everybody stand. I'm trying to let it go. I'm trying to let it go. I'm trying to leave it alone. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
I'm trying to let it go. I'm trying to leave it alone. But he held me. He kept me. He saved me. He filled me. He forgave me. He paid me. He made a way. Is there anybody here that know he's worthy to be praised? Is there anybody here that know he's worthy to be praised? Is there anybody in here that know he's worthy? Then give him some praise. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Give it up. I shouldn't even be here, but he made a way. He healed me. He delivered me. He set me free. Is there anybody here? You shouldn't even be here right now. But God made a way for you. Give God some praise. Listen. Listen, 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 listen. You got to get yourself together. You got to get it straight. You can't keep living like this. You can't keep going in this direction. God said before you life and death, choose life that you might live. You can't do it by yourself. You got to be the, the man God wants you to be. You got to be the woman God wants you to be. This, don't keep putting this off and putting this off. You need a, you're so busy trying to get a relationship with a man and a woman. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ.